Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're on the D Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson. For your help, I want to take time to say Happy Father's Day to all our fathers out there. It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta. It's really nice and warm. So I'm wishing everyone a happy, all the men out there, Happy Father's Day who are fathers and that you're taking time to enjoy your family because without you, hey, we wouldn't be here, fathers. So I'm just thanking you guys for being on the show. Um, I have a guest that's been on before, and his name is Mark McAfee. He's the founder of Organic Pastor Dairy, and he's also the international recognized for raw milk expert. Mark has been on before because I really want us as a people, a community, to understand the health benefit of raw milk and what it holds for our bodies. So I um, want us to know that, um, especially with many things that are happening on with the community, uh, people educating us about not to drink uh, raw milk, that we need to have pasteurized milk. So I have my expert on here today to clarify the benefits, the myths, and to clarify the reason why raw milk was around back during the old days and it's now making a comeback. And hold on here. I'm just having some technical difficulty with this computer here. All right. So I want to bring Mark on. Hold on here. Just a minute. All right. My computer is running real slow, but I just really want to educate our family, our, our audience about raw milk the health benefit it holds. And not only that, Mark, educate and train and teach farmers about the process and the procedure of having healthy milk. Uh, farming, fresh dairy milk that can be uh, raw milk to be able to be sold in the community and how that process is working throughout the United States. Mark, welcome on the show again. I thank you again. I am truly grateful that you're taking out the time on Father's Day to be on our show well, Call for Your Health. How can you hear? Do you hear me okay, Marcia? Can you hear me? I can. I can. Now I can. Yes, sir. We're good to go. Very good. We're live talking to America. Absolutely. Education is the absolute foundation of nutrition and health. So good job on the educational outreach this evening. Very important for people to understand what's going on with raw milk because, indeed, it is making a huge renaissance, a big comeback after literally being suppressed for 100 years. And I think that's great because my thing is, as a, as a mom, as a grandma, and, as, you know, the Bible tells us to teach our children as we go on the road, back and forth, to constantly teach our children so we're constantly educating ourselves and our children over and over again. So I think this information has to constantly be out there, just like the media is constantly putting the negative things out there. We want to be able to bring the positive things that are educating people about decisions they're making about their health, their food choices, and they're making good ones. So share with yeah, us about your journey on raw milk. Well, you know, it's interesting. I find it just absolutely fascinating to watch the European Union and the huge amount of studies that have been done there over the last 15 years or so, um, just emerging, showing all the benefits of consuming raw milk. We see uh, in Europe the big studies, go, the one called the Parsifal study, the other one's called the Gabriella study. There was a study called the Pasteur study. And every one of these studies has had a follow-on study 
All of these are peer-reviewed. You can see them at the, the uh, Centers for Disease Control, NIH, and they're all peer-reviewed. This is the, the gold standard for physicians referenced in the world. However, in the United States, physicians are not looking at this information. Um, and it's interesting to note that when you look at the studies done in Europe, they show that children that drink raw milk have a decrease of asthma, tremendous, significant decrease in asthma. Uh, raw milk is very anti-inflammatory. Uh, these studies show a decrease in asthma, allergies, a decrease in colds, flu, ear infections. All of these things we have in the United States that are truly rampant, and we're treating a lot of these uh, problems with antibiotics and drugs. So you see this big disconnect between nutrition and medicine. So I'm a big, big proponent that, yes, we have a place for modern medicine, absolutely, but we have a bigger, more important place to prevent the need for expensive medication if we can be healthy through nutrition. And with the emergence now of the uh, gut biome and the human genomics and human biome studies, we yes. know now yes. the, the relevance and the importance of whole food nutrition. And remember, raw milk, just like breast milk, human breast milk, is a whole food. And, you know, we don't find very many doctors anywhere in the world that disagrees and, and refutes the fact that breastfeeding is very, very, very good for children. So, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the values you find in breastfeeding, you're going to find the same kind of value found in raw milk consumption because they're literally almost exactly the same. So it's a really interesting thing that breast milk is raw milk. And when you look at breast milk, you realize that there's 2,500 proteins found in, in breast milk, raw milk. All of them are changed or denatured in some way with the pasteurization process of heating. The enzymes found in raw milk and breast milk are destroyed. Um, enzyme alkaline phosphatase is a really critical, important enzyme. The alkaline phosphatase enzyme has been found to be very highly anti-inflammatory, and it's found on the butterfat cell. So, you know, the butterfat in milk, in raw milk, has this wonderful alkaline phosphatase enzyme, which is very anti-inflammatory. Well, if you look at America, oh my gosh, we have a million yeah. people diagnosed, a million people diagnosed with Crohn's disease with celiac yeah. and irritable bowel and all these horrible things going on. They've got with 130,000 colostomies being performed a year. So we really have to look at the studies done in Europe to really guide us forward to realize that we need to have more raw milk and more raw cheeses and raw milk kefirs and these, these raw dairy products that have these wonderful benefits, the same benefits found in breast milk. And we, we just have to get out of this dogma that everything has to be sterilized and highly processed and veer back towards what Mother Nature has created over literally a million years of evolution. What God's created is brilliant, and it's healing and preventative, and that's where we really need to go with food. And so in, in, how, explain with the immune system and bacteria, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit with the raw milk, about the, how the immune system and bacteria is so important. Yeah, well, what is the immune system? Well, scientists tell us now <clears throat> that the immune system is at least 80 to maybe as high as 90% made up of the biodiversity, the different kinds of bacteria that inhabit our intestines and our gut. And the biodiversity of bacteria literally uh, allow our, our body to work, give it, give, gives it the, our body the, the genomic information, the genetic information. The gen- when I say genomic, I mean the genetic, the DNA, the data that drives our human cells to function properly. <clears throat> now, that sounds kind of interesting. How do, that, how do human cells get information from, from DNA, uh, from the bacterial cells? Well, that's part of the Human Genome Project. 
And back in 2001, 2002, our military, our Department of Energy, actually discovered the human genome. They were concerned about soldiers and sailors and civilians working around radioactive substances. They were concerned about what would happen if somebody got a lot of radiation on their genome, on their genetics. Well, they discovered that, in fact, the genome that we have, yes, we have 23,000 genes from mom and dad, 23 of me, right? 23,000 genes from mom and dad. But there are millions of genes that share the data from bacteria at the cellular level, back and forth, back and forth between human cells and bacterial cells. That is actually very, very critical to have information necessary for our human cells to function properly. So our genome, what makes us genetically human, is far more than the 23,000 genes that mom and dad gave us. And that's the study that was performed. Um, it's called the Human Genome Project, and it was funded by our military. It cost about $4 billion in 12 years to complete. So it is wow. critical that we have, we, yes, that we have good nutrition that supports the broad diversity of bacteria that inhabit our, our gut. But if you look at the basic nutrition of what we're eating now, a lot of sugar, a lot of processed foods with no bacteria. And remember, bacteria is the enemy of shelf life. So if you want to distribute a food out in the marketplace, you don't want bacteria in it because it shortens the shelf life. It makes it fall apart. It makes it start digesting itself, right? So right. shelf life is an, is an enemy of gut life. <laughs> so we have a major disconnect right now in the fresh foods for health. We have these highly processed, long shelf life stable foods with lots of sugar and, and processed preservatives and genetically modified organisms and Roundup residues and antibiotics. All those things are horrendously horrible for our gut biome, which is literally driving our immune system to work or not work. So that's where raw milk really plays a big part of a whole food diet. If you think about the foods you find in a farmer's market, a lot of organic vegetables, fruits, meats right. that are grazed right. in pastures, and raw dairy products, those are the foods that are driving our immune system to work properly and feed the good bacteria in our gut to actually express ourselves as a healthy human. If you start destroying that bacteria or eating, eating foods that won't support that bacteria, you've got yourself a real mess. And that's what we are today in America. But, you know, they have so many people so fearful of drinking raw milk or even trying to purchase it that, you know, they say the danger of unpasteurized milk is salmonella, E. coli, Listeria, and some of these other bacteria that they said is causing people, you know, to have um, – Bacteria with the bacteria again, killing you know it has making it bad for us. Yep, it's causing um, allergies. You know, uh, pasteurized milk causes allergies. Yep. They're saying pasteurized yep. milk causes allergies, and it causes lactose intolerance, and it changes yep. the nutrients of the value of the the milk itself. So they're telling us not to drink unpasteurized milk and then making it and I have so many moms that I can't drink that I'm afraid to drink it yep. and at, I was at a well, farmer's um, event in Mississippi and I had some keeper at the table and I told the guy it was made with raw milk and he said I don't he says I can't drink any milk no more he says I'm lactose intolerant and he said but yep. you know when I was a kid we used to drink it straight from the cow I said really exactly. why do you think right. that was <laughs> well, yes. here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Raw milk is a whole food, and practically anybody, anybody can drink raw milk. 
But we have a compound problem here. It's, it's a multifaceted problem. It's much more complex than just simply saying raw milk doesn't cause lactose intolerance. There's plenty of lactose in raw milk. However, the, lact- the, la- uh, the, uh, the raw milk also has with it the complementary beneficial bacteria that create lactase enzymes so you can digest the milk. Think about a baby. A baby's born, does not have a fully developed digestive tract. It needs a whole food, one that breaks down very quickly. It has all the enzymes, beneficial bacteria, everything, because his gut, his little baby gut, doesn't have all that stuff. It just came out of mom's womb. So raw milk has all these great benefits that humans can really, really take advantage of. Uh, they have a trouble in their gut. Leaky gut syndrome makes things really co- a compound problem too because we have so many extra permeable cells in our gut where we actually have open, uh, open uh, gates that allow uh, the food particles to go into our bloodstream and cause all kinds of allergies. Well, raw milk helps close those open gates, the uh, leaky gut syndrome, and other whole foods do that as well. But antibiotics and preservatives and all this stuff opens that up and causes the leaky gut syndrome and all kinds of food allergies. So there's a very complex thing going on right now, but it's based on the fact that we've destroyed our gut. Now, as far as food safety is concerned, you make a very good point. There are two kinds of raw milk made in America. One is intended to go on to be pasteurized, and I totally agree. There is no extra effort to make sure that milk is safe. Uh, Manure gets in there. Dirt gets in there. It doesn't really matter because it's going to get filtered out, and it's going to be cooked. So who cares? And right now, America is in a dairy crisis where the dairies are being paid very, very low prices for their milk. And so there's not any investment in labor to do a good job of making sure that milk is clean. However, here in California, in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Maine, uh, New Mexico, um, uh, some parts of Utah, uh, Washington State, uh, Arizona, there are laws that allow the production of legal raw milk. And the standards are completely different. Very, very, very clean. You don't have a lot of bacteria in there. The bacteria levels, yes, you do have bacteria, but they're the beneficial kinds of bacteria, the kind you find in yogurt at very low levels. And the milk is tested for bad bugs. And the tolerance is zero. You can't have bad bacteria, the ones you listed. Listeria can't be there. E. coli can't be there. Salmonella can't be there. Uh, A Campylobacter can't be there. So the standards are entirely different. Now think about this for a minute. You've got a a product out out on the shelf. And a mom comes by, and she drinks it, and her kids drink it, and they just love it, but it costs a lot more. It costs a lot more because the dairy is spending a lot more time, energy, money to make sure that it's super clean, cold, fresh. It is a milk that actually has had a lot of different kinds of standards applied to it, right? <clears throat> now, the pasteurized milk community realizes, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose market share because that other milk doesn't cause – that raw milk doesn't cause lactose intolerance, and by the way – People start really having medical benefits. The health benefits are tremendous. Their allergies go away. Uh, go away. Lactose intolerance. People don't have lactose intolerance with raw milk. All these fantastic health benefits are not found with raw milk. So what do the processors do that, that, that push the brands of pasteurized milk? They do anything they can, anything they can to slam raw milk, and that includes the FDA. So it's very hard to emerge as a raw milk market because of all this getting beat up all the time by the, the market competition. So that's why the internet and educational outreach is so important, like your show today, because we can talk about the fact there's two kinds of raw milk. You want to go to a dairy that specializes in raw milk for human consumption. It does testing. I'm part of the Raw Milk Institute. 
and we have 200 farmers that have received uh, training on the Ramuk Institute standards, which are very, very high standards. In the last five years, there was, uh, well, last year, uh, a Dr. Joanne Whitehead and Bree, uh, Bree Lake out of British Columbia did a peer-reviewed paper, and it's now reflected in the literature. You can actually look it up in the PLOS uh, 2018 literature that showed the, quote, Rami effect, the Ramuk Institute effect. When a farmer is trained and they have good high standards and they test their milk, the safety of that raw milk is literally ultra safe. Now, a lot of people have died from drinking pasteurized milk with listeria and all kinds of problems. But let me tell you something. In the last 40 years, there's been no death at all, none, on raw milk from uh, a legal source. So really, it is, it's not something that's terribly safe, uh, unsafe. It's very safe, but you have to know your source to make sure that it's intended for human consumption. Because if the farmer doesn't care, and the milk doesn't have any testing, and the standards are sloppy, and sanitary standards are just wide open, then you could have some real problems. But I know that in California, 400 stores carry raw milk, and the, it's a top seller. Uh, people buy it like crazy. And where raw milk is available, people consume it and love it. It's a market maker. So it's uh, very important to train the farmers and also train consumers to look for it and connect the farmer to the consumer so that you have safe outcomes. And by the way, you have very, very few illnesses from raw milk because you have stronger immune systems. So regardless of where bad bacteria may come from, whether it's something else you ate or the air or somebody you know, you're, you're going to be less likely to get sick because you have a strong immune system. Now, give us more information on the Raw Milk Institute where you say you do the training. So if someone's out here listening and wanted to become a dairy farmer, to be a dairy farmer, to um, have cows, do you do all that right. training to educate them about the, what type of cows to use, the yeah. equipment? Yeah. Um, yes. So Everything. give us a little more Everything. information on that one. Well, you know, we've been producing raw milk here in California at Organic Pastures Dairy since 2000. We've been doing it almost 20 years now. And, you know, we, we work with other dairymen, and we all really use high standards. And we saw people going, wow. I get raw milk in California. I'm going to go home to wherever I live where they don't have raw milk. I'm going to go down to the local dairy and get the milk. And people will start getting sick. So we recognize that as a real challenge. So we started Raw Milk Institute nine years ago, and we have a great board of PhDs. And, and um, we, we, do, we did the research. We actually worked with the state of California to create some really high standards for raw milk. And now those standards are being used all over the world, including the, the European Union. They're being used in uh, Great Britain. So – uh, it, it's really interesting. You can contact the Raw Milk Institute. You have an online uh, ability to, to, to take an application, and we'll work with you to educate you from grass to glass on all the processes you need to follow to have a sanitary product. And that means you're not going to pasteurize. You're going to do a really good job of doing everything very clean and then making sure it's really cold and then make sure you test it. And you know what? Your consumers are going to absolutely love it because it gives a longer shelf life it's absolutely delicious, and it gives incredible health benefits. And when we have, we have trained 200 farmers, we actually have 18 farmers that we call listed, and they actually post their bacteria counts every month at our website at the Raw Milk Institute. And you can actually see their profiles. So you can see everything. You can see standards. You can see the written food safety programs. You can see uh, everything. It's very, very transparent. And more and more farmers are looking to us because it's a way to sustain the farm. They're not being paid enough to sell the milk to be processed. So they're wanting to reach out and touch people directly, connect consumers and, and customers directly, and not sell to a processor and build their own brand in a local or regional way. 
and they do that through assistance with the Raw Milk Institute and, and their brand and marketing and distribution systems in the local markets uh, so they can actually do better. And the ones that have become trained are thriving and doing very well. So uh, I was looking at your website on realmilk.com, how you pretty much spread throughout the United States of having various states. I think you have only a few states left that's not selling raw milk. So let's talk about a few of the states that are and the ones that have not, because I know you've been very active about pushing legislation through in various states, which will allow raw milk to be sold in those states. Yes. there's only seven states left that have illegal raw milk. All other 43 states have raw milk access through some other means, <clears throat> either through a cow share program, on-farm sales, or even at a farmer's market, or ultimately at a store. So it is, it's literally still a patchwork puzzle of the different ways you go about getting raw milk. However, it seems like every year or two, another couple of states go fall away where they're having more and more ease of raw milk access. And it's really good. We really push hard at the Raw Milk Institute. Whenever they change the law to allow raw milk to be legal, that they also institute high standards. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to change the law and say, go get your milk wherever you want. Because if you go get the milk at the local dairy, it doesn't have high standards. It doesn't uh, have a, a way of keeping the milk cold and clean and doing a good job of making sure the udders are clean and the equipment is a good, good repair. There's an opportunity for, a, for somebody to get sick. Because remember, there's two kinds of raw milk. The raw milk intended to be pasteurized, and the raw milk intended to be consumed by people directly. And they're entirely different, completely different. And the bacteria counts and the type of bacteria found in those milks are completely different as well because one is clean and well done and with whole chain and, and sanitary testing, and the other one doesn't have uh, the, the margins of protection at all. Wow. Did you know, because I saw a, uh, a little documentary on, raw, uh, on milk from um, regular farms, like one of them is to call the fairy of uh, the fair oak farms, and how yep. those cows are walking in all that filth and everything, and and they're just actually just putting this, uh, what do you call that thing to to start milking the cows? They just wipe the little udders off a little bit, and the rest of the cow is still filthy and dirty, and they're pumping milk from these cows. And the mistreatment, I just, I couldn't even, I couldn't even watch the film. I couldn't even finish watching yeah. the film on how they're doing those cows. And yep. because this old saying, you are what you eat. So if those animals are stressed, wouldn't we feel that stress or some of that anxiety and things going inside the milk itself? Yep. Well, here's the other thing, uh, Marcia. This is really, really important to understand. Fair Oaks is milking like 15,000, 20,000 cows some insane number of cows. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to bash Fair Oaks, but I'm telling you, that's not the model of how we want America to look like. It really is not. We don't want a very few huge mega dairies with big lagoons full of manure and their cows being milked by machine and they're filthy, dirty, laying around in manure. I don't agree with that. If you look at raw milk, raw milk goes, uh, is done by small, smaller herds. You know, commonly 20 or 30 cows or 50 cows uh, or 100 cows where every one of the cows is on pasture. Uh, they're, ter- they're cared for meticulously. Their cow, their cow health is really, really important because you can't have unhealthy cows producing healthy milk. Uh, where you have unhealthy cows in unhealthy conditions, you can excuse those really bad practices by pasteurizing, by cooking the milk. 
But when you have those kinds of conditions, you can't excuse it when you're doing raw milk. So the conditions matter. The way you take care of the calves matter. The way you take care of the employees really matter. Because you've got to take really good care of your employees if you're going to have healthy cows and happy cows. And so it's a holistic approach. It's a holistic ground-up approach. All the entire system is looked at. Pastures, water, sanitation, how you take care of your employees, the uh, milking process, the machines, the way you maintain the machine, the way you maintain the cold chilling in the milk, the cleanliness of your milk containers. I mean, you t- it's a complete comprehensive glass-to-grass food safety sanitary system. And that's why raw milk costs more because you have to invest more to do it. But it's a super, super good health food. What happened with Fair Oaks uh, and that whole thing with the calf management and all that kind of stuff, in my opinion, was very, very poor management. Um, they're having to really do a lot of apologies now, fire people and change stuff. But I tell you what, you try to run a place that's got 25,000 cows, I'm sorry, that's insane. We don't need cow dairies that's 25,000 cows. That's crazy. We need to have, you know, 50, 100, 150 cow dairies that serve local communities and don't just, just have a few huge dairies that, that take that milk thousands of miles across America in trucks that cost a lot in terms of our environmental impact. And whenever you put 25,000 cows anyplace, you have a lot of manure, and that manure has to go Why? someplace, and you have, a, oh. you have very, very negative environmental impact. So I am not an advocate for these super CAFO operations, which are just a mess. Now, when when a farmer finishes a class with the Raw Milk Institute, you know how we have these labels on non-GMO or some type of thing. Can they? Is there something they can stamp or put on their milk to say they've been certified and trained through the Raw Milk Institute? Yes. That people know there's some safety measures that they, this yes. farmer has taken. So I, that can kind of put my mind at ease. Kind of, I'm looking at this sign to say that this is in place. Yes, absolutely. They could use the Raw Milk Institute logo, and the most important okay. thing is that consumers can visit the farm and see the processes themselves, and they can also visit the website to see the bacteria counts of the milk that's being produced. So if you go to rawmilkinstitute.org, rawmilkinstitute.org, you can actually see that process taking place. You can see the story of the farmer, the milk that came from that farm, the brand of the milk, and you can see the fact that the bacteria counts are there, and you can see the practices. So there's a lot of transparency and understanding what's going on. We've been doing this a long time, and let me tell you, the story is really told by one little short story. <clears throat> when we go to our farmer's market, we sell our raw milk. We sell it in a lot of stores as well, sprout stores and other stores in California. But we go to the farmer's market, and you see a mom come up with her children and buying our raw milk. And if that mom came from Eastern Europe, Russia, Germany, Poland, or South America, where raw milk is available, <laughs> they, they, they come up and say, give me that raw milk like back home with their accent. And they're looking great and they're strong and healthy. They have no reserves whatsoever. They have no concern whatsoever. They grab the milk and go. If you get a mom that comes from America, generally their kids have all kinds of ear infections and snotty noses, and they have health problems. And they come in, and they're very reluctant to buy because they're bacteriophobic. They're concerned about raw yes. milk because they've been, <clears throat> they've been subject to this multi-generational abuse of raw milk. Where back in the 1800s, literally 120, 130 yes. years ago, yes, raw milk was very dangerous in some locations in America. And pasteurization was brought in as the solution to kill the dirty milk instead of clean up the dirty milk. 
They just killed it. And so, yes, America's had a long history of abusing raw milk, where other, other countries have not. Other countries have embraced raw milk and used clean standards, and as a result, their, their citizens have enjoyed raw milk up until the today. Um, all across Russia, you see a lot of raw milk kefir. In Germany, you see the Vorschach milk. Uh, the Vorschach milk, um, the Vorschach milk, Vorschach milk is a very highly sanitary milk that's sold in stores, and people love it. So in France, you see raw milk. In Italy, you see raw milk. Uh, you see raw milk all over Great Britain. Uh, it's, it's embraced as a health food. So in America, we have this issue of marketing, marketing that decides what we are going to see in the market space. And the, the right. marketing programs really suppress information and abuse the correct information. And it's unfortunate because it's all about selling and keeping market share. And it's quite tragic. <clears throat> It is tragic. Um, we're going to take a break. You're on the D-Hour Network. I want to remind your listening audience you're on For Your Health Show, and we're here to give you information that makes so you and your family can make good choices about food you're eating and why you're making those choices. So we'll be right back on the D-Hour Network.
All right, you're back on the D Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Patterson, with For Your Health. And I have my guest, Mark McAfee, on from the Raw Milk Institute. Um, Mark, I want to talk about cow sharing. And I know we have, like you said earlier, we have about seven states that are less, uh, that are still list to be able to sell raw milk. How do people, and I know they can go to Raw Milk Institute, but what other ways are you getting information out to people about raw milk and where they can find it? I, you know, that's a great question. We have a uh, interesting dynamic right now happening with the Internet. <clears throat> we have families that, you know, you, you maybe have three or four or five kids in the family. They, they grow up and they, they disperse. You know, you go to different states and live different states. And you may have a sister or brother lives in, uh, in, in L.A. or in California. You may have a sister and brother lives in Montana. And they communicate. And what you find is when you've got, you got a sister in California and you've got a sister in Montana, and Montana's got illegal raw milk sales. California, there's 400 stores that carry raw milk at 25 farmers markets, very, very uh, broadly available and very safe. That sister up in Montana, she gets kind of upset. She says, hey, why can't I have some? That's ridiculous. When I come down to visit you in California, I drink that great raw milk. And my kids do, and they crave it, and they love it, and they don't have the allergies that they do to all the pasteurized stuff that they have to drink up in Montana. So what you find is a bunch of upset people saying, wait a minute, isn't this one country? Isn't this where we have equal rights for everyone? Don't, shouldn't we have equal access to food? Isn't this discriminatory that one place we can eat certain kind of food, another place we can't? And what you find is there's a lot of tension that occurs where people feel unjustly suppressed in their rights. Um, and and okay. a lot of people come to California, a lot of people come to California and they, they find that raw milk's available in Pennsylvania. And so that tension is actually causing change. And it's word by word of mouth. People are sharing and, and, and educating each other and tasting the difference of what that is doing for yeah. their bodies and the bodies of their children. Correct. Now, Correct. I know and, and they and they go. They elect people to office in their legislatures, and their farmers want to serve the consumers. So after a while, you get this momentum where people say, "Why don't we change so we can have raw milk too?" Do you think farms like uh, Fair Oaks and some of the other big farms will eventually start maybe splitting their cows, maybe half of them being raw or? Uh, some of them being unpasteurized to try to put themselves in the marketplace. I would say not On both the twenty five thousand cow not the twenty five thousand cow dairy. I don't think that they will do raw milk. The reason I'm saying that is because when they sell their milk and their dairy products, they're selling into many different states. Currently the FDA, the Federal Drug and Food Administration, does not allow the transportation of raw dairy products across state lines. So the fair oh. uh, dairy, yeah, it, it, it's very self-limiting. So, uh, you know, at Organic Pastures Dairy here in California, we sell our raw dairy only in California, except for our cheese. Our raw cheese can go across state lines. So I would say that the big, big operators will probably not get into raw milk, but I will say this. The smaller operators, like in Wisconsin um, and, and, and places where there's maybe 50, 75 cow dairies, they are getting the raw milk. They're getting the raw milk cheeses. They're getting the local cow shares. And uh, they are thriving. They're doing quite well because when consumers get to know their farmers, 
the farmers are doing a really good job of being paid more directly by the consumers, and they're not being cheated by processors. You have a wonderful, healthy paradigm shift that occurs, and that's what's going on. These big, huge, fair uh, oaks-type, massive processing plants, their entire uh, infrastructure is designed on getting as much milk out of as many cows as possible, as cheaply, as cheaply as possible, and they're not concerned that much about sanitation. Um, and, you know, they just go ahead and do their thing. They don't worry about bad bugs because they're going to cook it. So I, I don't think that, right. that milk is going to come from those massive operations. I think it's going to come from the smaller organic operations. That's just my bias. <clears throat> right. Now, I, let me tell you how I learned about raw milk. It's through the Western Price organization, the yep. Western Price Foundation. Yep. And what I love about what they do and how they do it is, you know, we're meeting at each other's home, educating each other. They're training and teaching because, you know, there's a Western Price chapter here in Marietta that I was going to, um, I'm now living downtown, close to downtown Atlanta, but in Marietta, Georgia, there was a, there's a chapter of that way that I was attending. And I learned about raw milk. And what was great about that, their website, too, also lists where you can find these farmers. That And then I actually right. I did do what you would suggest. I went and visit their farms. And, oh, my goodness, I'm telling you. I, and at the time that I found out about the Western Price organization, I had a home daycare. And those babies love that milk. I fed yes, that milk to those kids and loved it. They loved it. And, you know, yep. even with me, I was able to get fresh cream from the farmer to make butter or make some ice cream. I, I mean, I was doing things I never thought I was doing. So this put me on a journey to say, oh, I need to tell this. You know, I need to share with other people what this is about and how to do it. Uh, I tried <clears throat> goat milk. I like goat milk, too. Now, what about camel milk? Do you guys do camel milk with some of the farmers? We don't, but... We don't, but I do know that some farmers are. And I, I've been at the International Milk Genomics Consortium conferences. I've been I'm a member of their consortium. They're a bunch of university researchers. And uh, when they did their research uh, two years ago up in Quebec, Canada, they had presenters that came from uh, Kazakhstan. And Kazakhstan, they have a lot of camel's milk, and it was all raw. And they went off on how fantastically beneficial camel's milk was for autistic children. So it's very interesting to see the international scope of the knowledge and information about different mammals, <clears throat> not just cows, but goats, sheep, horses, water buffalo, horses. camels. Oh, yeah, horses, absolutely. Outer Mongolia. Outer Mongolia, a lot of raw milk from horses. That's right. Mare's milk. Really? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you, you go back, you you go back, 150, you go back 150 years ago. Mankind was really having a hard time finding food most of the time. And if you had a mammal that could produce extra milk for you, you had food today. You had food today. You could make cheese, butter, cream cheese, all kinds of stuff, and eat today, not have to farm or hunt. So it was a tremendous right. advantage for civilization to domesticate mammals to get milk right now. And, you know, when I look at the Bible and I'm looking at the scripture and it says, you know, God said he'd take them to a land with milk and honey. And I'm thinking, you know, I know that milk wasn't pasteurized, <laughs> you know, that nope. he was taking them to where they have to have. Uh, and that is one source of milk that doesn't have to be, an uh, animal has to die for us to get the food with the milk and the honey. That's it comes correct. directly straight. 
front. So no one has to die for us to get that source nope. of food. So I think that's great. But another thing I want to talk about is that almond milk, coconut milk. I heard there was some debate about taking that word milk from almond milk, coconut milk, because people were doing more drinking that milk as opposed to the pasteurized milk that's in the store. Well, in Canada, you cannot use the word milk to describe an almond or a cashew or uh, soy or any other fluid that looks white milky. You can't use the word milk. <clears throat> they actual define they actually define the word milk as a lacteal secretion from the udder of a mammal. So it's America that's been kind of interesting that we've allowed uh, the word milk to be used to describe things other than what comes from uh, the lacteal secretion of the udder or, or breast of humans, uh, you know, it, to be on the shelf. And that's just kind of an interesting political thing that's happened in America. But I do know this. Um, there are warnings on um, these other non-plant-based milks that they're not intended to be a replacement for milk for babies because all those things found in breast milk, all those things, the fats, the saturated fats are critical for brain development, the bacteria, the yes. proteins, the enzymes, all those things. There's like so many things I could spend the next 10 minutes describing um, are not in those, those plant-based products. And so there's a big movement right now to try to take over dairy market space with plant-based products. But we also see a lot of problems with brain development in children that are not being fed dairy products. They're being fed plant-based because there's not any good vitamin D. There's not any good vitamin A. There's not any enzymes, bacteria, uh, the proteins, the, the, all the things that are there intentionally, intentionally by evolution. Um, you know, Raw milk, breast milk, is, is not it, – it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a product of selective pressures generation by generation by generation getting better and better and better. It is not something that is actually made in a lab. It's made by God. It's made by the evolutionary pressures of time to assure the next generation is going to be super healthy. Those plant-based products are not that product at all. They are not a whole food intended to replace, uh, you know, intended to, to feed the offspring of, of humans. So uh, we see uh, stories coming up all the time. Every, every week or two or month, we hear about prosecutions in the, in the legal system for, where we have vegan moms that are, or vegan parents that are giving their children soy milk, and the, the ch- children actually have brain damage because the fact they've been, wow. they don't have the develop, developmental el- elements necessary for brain development. And you see this, you can Google it. There's, there's cases all over the United States where prosecutions of parents where they did not give enough animal fat to the child, where they, the child actually has come up with actually serious neurological problems. So you know, we have to look to our history. We have to look back literally in the land of milk and honey. We have to look back, not just 50, 7,500 years, look back 1,000 years, look back two or 3,000 years, and look at those foods which gave us that extraordinary uh, uh, benefit, that, that uh, competitive advantage as a human being that we could actually use a mammal's milk to make butter, cream, cheese, kefir, milk, all those things, and thrive and literally bring right. our food with us at all times. So I'm not against drinking those other products. Just don't expect them to be a replacement for milk. 
or butter or cream or cheese. They're not. They're incomplete foods, and they don't have those elements. They don't have the amino fatty. They don't have the amino acids. They don't have the fatty acids. They don't have uh, butyric acid. They don't have the uh, alkaline phosphatase. They don't have those things put there intentionally by nature. And so, really, uh, it's a marketing problem. And unfortunately, what we have right now is people trying to make money versus serve humanity. And right. it's a higher standard to serve humanity and look to the health of the next generation. And that's so much more important than to serve some corporate greed. And at this point, we really have to start saying, wait a minute. Look at the diabetes that's rampant. Look at the obesity that's rampant. Look at lactose intolerance. Look at osteoporosis. Look at our gut on fire with all these people with, with Crohn's disease. And Well, I'm sorry. That did not occur because we lacked drugs. That occurred right. because we ate, we <laughs> ate the wrong things. Okay. Mm-hmm. When when you look at yes. when you look at uh, you look at the veterinarians and those that are, that look at the ecology uh, up in northern Canada, and they see a bunch of caribou running across the tundra, and they see some that are sick. Do they look to the fact that there's not an emergency room there to give them antibiotics or why they're sick? No. They look at the source of, the, mm-hmm. of their food. They look at the source of the sunshine and, and what's going on with their environment. Well, unfortunately, doctors need to take a little bit of a, some advice from some of those ecological experts and look at the conditions and the food we eat as to why we are sick and stop looking at, oh, we need to build another cancer institute or we have to have more drugs. I'm sorry. That's not the origin mm-hmm. of the reason we're sick. We're not exercising enough. We're not getting enough sunshine. We're not eating whole food nutrition. And I'll tell you what. Wesley Price had it about 99% right. He really, really did. He looked at the foods around the world. Not everybody ate the same thing, but they all ate whole foods. And we have to get back to that if we want to have a, a good nutrition and good health. And there was study, you talk about butter, that in the early years in the United States when people had their own farm and they were doing their own uh, milking their cows, making their own butter, we didn't have heart problems. Like it did until Correct. they start bringing in the uh, margarine, margarine and other other fat, and this stuff start clogging up and messing <clears throat> up people's hearts and the arteries right. with the wrong kind of fat. Right. And our brain right. is sixty percent fat, so you have to feed that the healthy fat. Correct. Well, you know, you bring up a good point. Um, there is a a federal uh, move right now. There's a lawsuit that'll be launched probably in the next month. Uh, it's based on a petition that I filed five years ago, and it, the petition said, "Tear down that wall," kind of like what Reagan said to Gorbachev back in '89. Yeah. Uh, tear down that wall that separates the farmer from the consumer, and let raw butter go across the United States. <clears throat> Remember that alkaline phosphate enzyme I talked about—that very anti-inflammatory enzyme—completely yeah. destroyed yeah. pasteurization. In fact, the test for pasteurization is called the negative alpha phosphatase test. That enzyme is very, very anti-inflammatory, and it's found in the butterfat cell. So if you drink whole milk, you get 4% butterfat, and you get the alkaline phosphatase in that 4%. If you drink cream, you get 35 to 40% of, of what you're getting, the alkaline phosphatase. Because remember, lots of cream, you're going to have lots of alkaline phosphatase. But butter's got 86% alkaline phosphatase because it's super concentrated, this anti-inflammatory enzyme, along with a lot of other really good things in raw butter, the, the uh, vitamins and, 
and the other uh, the wonderful values found in raw butter. But my point in saying this is current law does not allow butter to be sold across state lines. And we are actually suing the government starting this summer, major lawsuit, to allow raw butter to go across the United States in an unfettered fashion, to allow it to go more like raw cheeses, which can go across the United States as well. And raw butter and raw cheeses share a lot of things alike. They're both considered manufactured products and don't have the concerns about bad bacteria because raw butter does not support the growth of bad bacteria. It doesn't have any lactose and very mm-hmm. little moisture and there's some salt, and it's like cheeses. So bottom line is we think we're going to win that lawsuit. When we do that, that will be a huge, uh, very important win for the farmers and the consumers of America because then raw butter can be used as a superfood, uh, and that will be one step in tearing down that wall that the FDA has, the CFR 1240.61, that bars the interstate commerce of raw dairy products except for cheese. And the next step is going to be to tear down the wall for fluid milk and allow that to flow across this wonderful land as well. So well, the raw cheese and the raw butter is currently being made. Most of it's being made in California and the states that allows milk, raw milk to exist. So is that listing on your website for real milk that people can be able to find how to get or find these farmers that are doing the raw cheese and the raw butter? Raw cheese can be found in thousands of stores across America. Raw cheese, as long as it's truly raw, and you can actually find mm-hmm. uh, that you go to organicpastures.com in California, organicpastures.com. We have a cheese locator that shows where you can find our raw cheese, and we're over a thousand stores nationally. But you can find other brands of raw cheese as well <clears throat> across the United States. Raw cheese has never been uh, limited by state lines. Raw butter has since 1987. So what we're trying to do is tear down the wall to allow raw butter to flow across the United States because right now raw butter is extremely limited in its, in its ability you know, you know, to get it. Raw cheese is found all over the place. Uh, it's not considered illegal. So on, with the Raw, raw uh, Milk Institute, they learn how to do the butter too also with the cleaning up, with the, saving the, uh, the cream. All of that was part of the education process with the Raw Milk Institute? We don't do a lot of processing uh, education. We can. We have done okay. processing education. But what we do is we actually go a little deeper than that. We work on the milk that makes the cheese or makes the cream or makes the butter to make sure gotcha. that the source milk gotcha. is safe. Because once you have the source milk that's good, the problems with the other secondary products are very, very minimal because you don't get bad bugs in that process the processing step of making butter. You get the bad bugs when you're milking the cow in an environment where you're actually collecting the milk. That's where generally you have the problems. Now, I've also seen on your, on your website and seen some other stuff about you through YouTube where people who, who have Crohn's disease and other issues, <clears throat> how their uh, health issue turn around within sometime within weeks, that they're no longer having those issues. So kind of share some stories about that. Well, there's a website called FarmersOverPharmacies.com. FarmersOverPharmacies.com is a website where we actually feature case studies. We feature case studies of people that have gone to the doctor. They've done all the things they're supposed to do with Western medicine. And instead of going on to get colostomies, which is basically a plastic bag that you poop in, you know, they cut out part of your intestines, and you have this plastic bag hanging off your belly uh, where you no longer poop normally, because your lower gut's been taken out surgically because it's, 
it's so infected. Instead of doing that, instead of taking drugs like Remicade with a side effect known of, of having uh, tuberculosis or uh, a cancer, they get on a holistic diet. They get on a whole food diet that includes things like bone broth, raw milk, kefir, good high-fiber foods that actually build the good probiotic diversity of bacteria in the lower gut and builds back that mucosal lining. And with the alkaline phosphatase, actually decreases all that inflammation in the gut, and you get rid of Crohn's completely. Crohn's is defined by the loss of the gut biome. What we do is use the gut biome-building foods to build it back. And when you build it back, Crohn's goes away. They know that in Europe. Unfortunately, in the United States, the doctors aren't trained in this. The doctors are not trained in this. All they are trained in is surgery and drug pushing. And sometimes you need those things. But I'm telling you, these people came to us, these case studies came to us, and we videotaped their story and put it up at the FarmersOverPharmacies.com website. And you, too, can recover from those very severe problems if you would follow a whole food diet. So it's pretty miraculous. We've got children with severe allergies to dairy products, pasteurized dairy products, getting on raw milk, and no allergies. We have kids that were severely uh, affected by asthma and allergies, getting on raw dairy, bone raw, raw milk kefir, completely recovering within three months. Now they're on the track team and don't have AliPent inhalers anymore and EpiPens. You got Crohn's disease patients, so that three of them on there, completely recovered from Crohn's. You have a patient in there that had severe abdominal pain with gastric ulcers, completely recovering using keeper, uh, keeper, uh, raw milk keeper. Uh, it's just amazing to see the stories of gut recovery, immune system recovery using whole food nutrition. And the website's called FarmersOverPharmacies.com. And I would encourage people, you do not need to be on heavy drugs. What you need to do is, yeah, you may need to see the doctor today to deal with your acute problem that you may have today, like severe pain. But I tell you what, tomorrow, first thing, you need to be getting on a whole food diet. And when you get on a whole food diet that includes things like raw milk kefir, that builds back that probiotic diversity in the gut, and all the other wonderful things on a whole food diet like bone broth and good vegetables and vegetable soup and, and uh, collagen, and lots of protein and good fats, what do you know? Your gut starts to recover. And it takes, it takes a while. It doesn't happen overnight. But I tell you what, within a couple of weeks, you feel better. With a couple of months, you're feeling really good. With a few, few months, like six months, you're better. You're good. And the bottom line is you can recover and really be healthy if you just pay attention to a whole food diet. You know, uh, Mark, I was um, in Lithia Spring, Georgia, and I was taking, taking the kids for a walk. And I saw a group of young kids, um, young boys. One had really bad acne. And I kind of walked up to him and I said, hey, young boys. Uh, just kind of started doing a conversation, teenage boys. And I talked to the one. I said, see my truck? I said, I have a truck about healthy food and things like that. And they go, Yes, ma'am. They were very polite. And I said to the one who had bad acne, I said, I can help you with that acne. He goes, well, my mom took me to the doctor. She just didn't have money for the medication. I said, I'm not asking for any money. I said, but if you guys are interested in what I want to share with you, please show up at my house, and I'm going to share things with you. My daughter said, oh, my God, yep. Mom, you gave us, I said, yes, I gave those boys my address. And I had six teenage boys sitting in my living room. They're drinking the kefir. They're trying some kombucha. I, um, and one of them, I said, well, I want you to take the, uh, the kefir, the plain kefir, and I want you to rub it on your skin, and I want you to drink a little bit at night and see yes, what this yes, do yes, to your yes, acne. Yes. And yep. um, sure enough, 
He didn't come back to tell me it cleared up. I saw him. I said, oh, look at you. You're looking fine, you know, kind of teasing with him. You look good. Yep. He said, yep. yes, ma'am. Yep. He said, it, it works. He said, it works. He said, but I'm out of it. I said, why didn't you come back? He says, I didn't know I could. I said, look, let me share with you. A closed mouth received nothing. Uh-huh. You need to ask for what you want. So he was really excited. And then I had another one to come back. He said, it helped him with his stomach because he had a nervous stomach. And he was yep. drinking it, and he said it made him feel calm. He said, it made yep. him feel calm. Now, these are teenage boys, yep. teenage yep. boys. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So our kids want to know this, and this is why we're out here to share with moms and dads that this can help our kids and help ourselves. Because I get, I, when I make the keeper, you know, some people smell and go, oh, my goodness, the smell. I said, uh-uh, it's good. It's really, really good. And once they taste yep. I flavored it um, with some dates and some bananas and things like that to get my grandkids to drink it. Um, yep. I can get them to drink it that way. So, but, you know, yep. I, I think what you're doing is wonderful. And, you know, my goal is to, you know, sometimes my grandkids get tired of me is to keep repeating. They say, Grandma, you said that all right. I said, do you have it inside you, what I'm sharing with you? I said, maybe 15 or 20 years from now, you're going to say, oh. I remember my grandmother told me this. I need, I need to do this. <laughs> I need to do this. Yep. And we yep. need to be able to educate the next generation. Because I know you have a group of young people, new millenniums, that's coming forward that want to be farmers, that are getting off the grid and learn what you're trying to share with them. Yes, we do. And we do a lot of training. We're going to be doing uh, four big sum- summits this year, one at uh, Pasa up in Pennsylvania and now in OPA. Uh, we're going to be up in British Columbia. We're going to be in uh, Cedar, U- Cedar City, Utah, training farmers on how to communicate with consumers and do things like making Rama kefir. But you are doing a great job here because I tell you what, acne is a clear sign of kids eating too much sugar and a complete gut dysbio- a dysbiotic situation where yeast is taken over, sugar is uh, the predominant thing going on. You need to bring back the whole food nutrition, and Rama kefir is a fantastic food to make you feel better and actually uh, gut brain you know the gut brain connection is fantastic with raw kefir building that the neurotransmitters the dopamine the norepinephrine the serotonin that goes to your brain the tryptophan goes to your brain that actually makes you feel better and the good bacteria that actually out competes the bad bacteria when you have acne vulgaris uh on your face so all these things it all works together through the gut biome so feed the gut your body will follow yes Yes. What what else do you want to share with us about raw milk that you think is so important for us to know? I would say this. I would say, as a consumer, I would start thinking more about what kind of food should I be eating to feed the good bacteria in my gut? That's the question. What food would my good bacteria thrive on today? You know, you, you want to think about that because when you look at ingredient lists that have all kinds of preservatives in it, think, will that preservative help my bacteria or hurt it? You really need to be thinking about what you're eating and how it's going to impact your gut biome. Very, very important because your gut biome drives your immune system, which drives your health. So you also want to be making sure that you have plenty of gut uh, biome-friendly biodiversity of bacteria. That's why your raw milk keeper is so important. You got 150 different kinds of bacteria found in that in that keeper, which is super super important for gut health. Um, whole foods, biodiversity bacteria, feeding the bacteria in your gut, because once you fed the right kind of bacteria in your gut, your gut will thrive. You will thrive. 
Excellent. And and, and I and I do fermented foods, and that's one thing I love about the Weston Price Foundation is because in these different homes throughout the United States and even other parts of the world, people going from, it's like you're saying, the raw milk is kind of word to word, mouth to mouth. And one thing we learn is going from house to house and learning and educating each other about how it's done, who to connect with, how to recognize real food, and what to, excuse me, what to do with it when we get it. Because a lot of times we're so used to um, working with food that's been already preheated, pre-cooked, they don't yep. know what to do with raw food or something, you know, my granddaughter go in the kitchen. She said, Grandma's nothing here to eat. And I'm like, okay. Yep. I go in there, I milk some flour or I bake some waffles and make something that next time we have a meal. Because all they see is the flour or they don't, they can't see it in its final stage of, in, you know, in the beginning stage. They only used to see their product in a final stage and just being ready to heat up right. and to eat. So they don't, they don't know how to cook. They don't know how to cook. And, yeah, yeah. they don't know how to cook. And, you know, not only that, you talked about the good bacteria in the gut. Natasha Kimmel McBride teaches about the gut and the brain syndrome. And it's another lady, Barbara Setter. She was a probational officer in Cleveland, Ohio, and she was getting sick. And she found a book called um, Sugar in the Criminal Mindset where they knew yep. sugar and ye- uh, the wrong kind of white flour, white sugar was messing with people's brain and causing these people even actually be in a criminal mindset or yep. fearful mindset. And when she convinced a prosecuting attorney and a disc attorney to allow men and women who was on probation with her be to try this diet, feeding them, as you said, the good bacteria, the healthy foods and grains, not 89% of them did not get back in trouble with the law. Now yep. we have all this genetically modified food and sugar, and we feed it to the kids at a young age, and in the criminal mindset, the kids can't sit still, they're irritable. And Natasha Campbell McBride said, the gut affects the brain. And once the gut is clean and has good bacteria, the brain will function properly. You got it. You got it, Marcia. You got it exactly. And that message is so important. But I tell you what, it's a tough one to get out there because sugar is addictive. <clears throat> sugar is addiction. And uh, it, 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 sugar goes in the lower intestine, to be the upper intestine, and it goes directly in the bloodstream, never gets down to the lower intestine. And we, it, gets, it messes up your gut. It really feeds the yeast. And, uh, you know, yeast and sugar makes alcohol. So you actually have low-level alcoholism going on because you actually become a little brewery. So there's all kinds of problems. Then you add antibiotics to that when you get sick and you got nothing but a disaster. So we have a real, real challenge on our hands, and we need to have a complete makeover in this country about what food is and its relationship with medicine. Yeah. And, you know, speaking about the Brewer's syndrome, doctors have also diagnosed it as the Brewer's syndrome where people have eaten so much carbs and so much sugar, they have that yeast, and they're building a steel, and they're actually getting drunk without taking yep. one drink of alcohol whatsoever. And I That's did a right. presentation for the Noonan Police Department because I told the officers, you know what, I don't think everybody's hating you or you hating them. I think what's happening, we got sick people that's trying to help sick people. And when your guy's gut is clean, you're going to make calm decisions. You won't be angry. The community won't be angry because they're eating poor, you're eating poor. And when I 
talk to them about the Brewer syndrome that doctors had diagnosed the captain screen from the back. Oh, my God, I just got a memo on that. That what we eat is determining how we take in drugs and alcohol and even have us craving that at an early age for young people. So parents, you know, putting that good bacteria in your kid's gut and your gut will bring back a calm spirit, I think, truly much in our homes and in our uh, community. I, I think that that's a fantastic message. You know, I served as a certified paramedic for 16 years, and I saw it all through the streets where a calm police officer made much better decisions than one that was hyped up and all excited. And, you know, if our police officers could understand that their brain needs to be riding on a good gut, uh, we'd be having a lot less police shootings. We'd have a lot less uh, escalation of, of, uh, of an incident. We'd have a lot, less, we'd have a lot more de-escalation of, of, of things going on. And that's just the police angle. What about the criminal people? What about the ones that actually are doing yes. the crime? Yes. Why, are, why, yes. are they, why are they having the crime to begin with? Well, they're probably hungry. And then they're probably the brain's not working real well. So we have a literally a systemic problem in America, and it literally is foundational in nutrition. Gut brain drives all kinds of things, and I tell you what, it's farmers over pharmacies. It literally is. Yes, yes. And you don't know how many officers I have walked up to, and I had little samples of sea salt. Uh, Himalaya sea salt to tell them to put it in their water so they can get the minerals and they don't get dehydrated. I'm passing out little samples of um, things that I know is healthy for them. And I said, you guys, and every last one of them receive the information and they understand what I'm telling them. And they'll tell me, okay, I need to clean my gut up because I need to have my brain to focus to be able to think. And I told the officers, too, you guys are having trouble writing up your reports because you can't remember nothing because your gut's messed up. So if you're if that's cleaned up, this can clean up. Yep. Well, on top of that, it's kind of a funny thing. Uh, you know, the, the officers driving code three down to get their donut. It, it's a it's it's a sad <laughs> paradigm, but it's really really sad. But think about it. That really is it's really at the basis of this. We you know, if I was a police chief, I'd say everybody here is going to be on a police officer's diet. Every paramedic is going to yeah. be on. a on, on this diet as well, and every every fireman, and we're going to be examples to the community. If you're going to carry a gun, or if you're going to go out and be a paramedic, you're going to be calm. You're going to yeah. eat well, so your brain yeah. is well. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. You, would de- you would decrease the liability insurance for cities that have bad shootings. Yeah. Cops would no longer be hated. You get respect and love. And I'll tell you what, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. It'd be a great place to start. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. And that's what I did. When I had my store in Noonan, I went to the fire department and I went to the police department. And I said, let me do this free. And I went in there with some kefir, <laughs> some fermented foods, and said, this is what we need. We've we got to take care of the people. You know, because when you get on the airplane yep. and they tell you about the safety, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can help others. So we, I told right, them right. I was bringing them this oxygen mask of good health and nutrition <laughs> so they can function and perform their job better and and save their lives. And they and you know what? They we, need our, we need our pilots to be doing that too. All of our pilots. Yes. 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 And yes. we need we need our and president. Then, we need our president to be doing that. <laughs> yes. No more Diet Cokes and, and Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, he loves McDonald's. Oh my God. Yes. 
Yes, and then he'd be making calm decision when he decided to tweet at two and three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> do, do you have Do you have another six I hours we can talk about? I could dive into that really deep. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I truly believe we as Americans are sick, and it's food that's taking us out. Adam and Eve got messed up because of what they ate, and we're getting messed up yep. in mind and body because of what we're eating. And so this program is to bring to people, everyday people, this information and knowledge to empower them, to have them to sit and think about it. Because my grandmother lived to be 105, and she pretty much Good lived on the farm most of her life. And I remember her, every morning she would get up and say, Lord, thank you for waking me up in my right mind. I had no clue what that man as a little girl, but I truly know what that is today because how many people have dementia, Alzheimer's? I'm meeting young ladies that's in their 50s with Alzheimer's that's in a nursing home. 50, 50. Yep. And I'm thinking, yep. no, this, is, this, this can't be. So we want to educate people to check out realmilk.com and to be able to empower themselves and their family and try it because I know a lot of times people ask me, well, Marcia, if I get the raw milk, how much should I drink? We're so conditioned to have a prescription that they yep. want to know how much raw milk they should take in per day. And what is your answer yep. to that? There how is no prescription. <laughs> you could drink as much or as little. You could drink as much or as little as you want. Bottom line is, one of the things that raw milk does, and raw milk it knocks out your hunger. So a couple, you know, a cup of raw milk, and and it, you know, literally you're not hungry anymore. It, it, the good fat is satiating in your gut; it makes you feel full. Uh, it, it, you know, what we do in America is we overeat constantly. You know, if if we had a raw milk peeper smoothie and some of an avocado uh, for for breakfast, you know, we wouldn't be hungry until about one o'clock in the afternoon when we have a good balanced meal and then have a meal in the evening. But if you went back to more whole food nutrition, you wouldn't have the obesity rates we've got right now because the people are just overeating because our, our bodies are starving. Um, they're in this, this sugar high all the time, and that we're not actually feeding the cells the food they need. Yeah, and I want to piggyback on what you said about feeling full because my, I had my grandson last summer. I think it was last summer. He was one. And that little man can eat and eat and eat. I fixed him a nice big bowl of oatmeal, which I had soaked overnight in some of kefir uh, with yep. some whey. I soaked it with some whey, and he ate the bowl because he wanted another bowl. So I'm thinking, okay, he won. So I gave him a second bowl, and then he did a third bowl. I said, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. Uh-uh, let me stop. Then I gave him a glass of milk, the raw milk. And then I said, uh-uh. So I started giving him a little glass of raw milk with his oatmeal. He only had one bowl from there because otherwise he would have yep. kept eating and eating and eating. And I'm like, uh, no, no, this ain't a good thing. You just won. And we're not going to start a pattern here of constantly eating and eating and eating, you know, because. And then when I gave him, and that was the healthy fat. The healthy fat helped him to feel full. I'm like, wow. Right. That is right. good. So I had to back that up with, with some facts because I know I did that myself. So, but I want to take another break so you can get a break because I know I, I can talk you to death. So, you guys, you're on the D Hour Network listening to Mark McAfee from the Raw Milk Institute, and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
you're back on the D-Hour Network. I'm your host, Marcia Patterson, and my guest is Mark McAfee from the Raw Milk Institute. I just want to remind our listening audience, all the information on this program, this information, presented here for the purpose of information education only. It should not be construed as offering any medical advice or diagnosis or treatment for any illness or injury or condition or preventing any health problem. The listening audience should consult with their licensed physician or their health care practitioner for proper diagnosis and treatment. Mark, um, I just want to say that with the, the Raw Milk Institute, you also have legal um, defense to help people to help defend themselves with their farms. Is that correct? Raw Milk Institute, no. Um, the Farm Consumer Legal Defense Fund is the organization that does legal defense of farmers uh, in, in legal troubles with government or whoever. Uh, Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund is a wonderful organization. We've actually been associated with them for many years and supported them for the last 10 years. Uh, the Raw Monk Institute is a training organization that trains and mentors farmers and does research on um, raw milk standards and training from a scientific perspective and collects data from farmers that actually produce sanitary raw milk and, and publishes research on that data. We do not do legal defense, no. Okay. Now, if I wanted to get a cow, share a cow, so on your website, they would show us the farmers that we can purchase a cow because when I purchase a cow, I don't have to, I can drink that milk and my family, we don't have to answer to anybody because I own that cow. If you have a small farm or if you do cow sharing, is that correct? Well, that's generally the idea. It's much more complex than that because if you go out and buy a cow, well, you bought a cow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got a lot of problems because <laughs> you got to take care of that cow. But if you go to a farm, sign a contract with the farmer that you participate in what's called a cow share program, uh, that farmer does all the work, takes care of the cow, takes care of everything, and you simply go to the, the farmer and get the milk from him from that cow it's a contractual way to allow you to get access to raw milk where you would not otherwise be able to get raw milk. So it's kind of a gotcha. legal mechanism to allow you to access raw milk. <clears throat> wow, that is great. That is really good. Give people information about um, how to reach you if they're interested in taking this class or becoming a yeah. farmer. Well, if you're a farmer out there that's desperate to – to try to do better, I would strongly encourage looking at raw milk as a local solution to that because you, you, you don't sell the processors anymore. You sell directly to people. And in doing so, you build your own brand. You build your own little marketplace around your farm and your local community, and you become literally a community hero. But when you do that, you need to know what you're doing. And we would encourage you to reach out to rawmilkinstitute.org. Just go to the website, and you'll see an application there. You'll see a number to call. You'll also see an email address for our executive secretary. Her name is Sarah. And you would email me and say, hey, I'm, I'm really interested. And what we do is connect to you, and we would find, find out what your story is, where you, where you live, what, your, what the rules are, the regulations, where you are, and talk to you about your interests and where you want to go. And we mentor you. We counsel you and assist you to optimize your set of conditions, your standards where you are to produce the best raw milk you can produce to serve your community. And that's what we're here to do. <clears throat> wow, that is great. Now I have another question. I all 
if all the farms that are connected with you are just feeding their cows just hay and grass or there's, is there any grain involved in feeding these cows with the Raw Milk Institute? It all has to do with where they're located. Sometimes they feed a little bit of grain. Sometimes they don't feed any grain. But sometimes their, their pastures are alfalfa. Some of it's a fescue ryegrass, clover. It all depends on where they're located. Now, if you've got a, a cow share up in Canada and it's got three feet of snow in the wintertime, you're not going to be out on pastures. So if you've got a cow down in Arizona, you, you may have pastures or no pasture at all because no water. If you've got a cow in uh, Oregon where there's lots of rain, you're going to see pastures all year long. And so it all depends on where you're located and what the feed you're giving your cows. The one thing we want to make sure is whatever you're feeding those cows, it optimizes the cow health. That's the key. Um, and there's, there's many different kinds of ways to feed a cow. But what we don't want to do is feed them antibiotics. We don't want to give them any GMOs. We want to have an all-natural feed base so that the cow can express her optimal health um, to make sure that the milk she's producing is healthy as well. So we work with farmers and nutritionists, wherever they might be, to optimize their set of conditions where they are. And how long do um, unpasteurized raw milk last? How long can I keep that in the fridge before I'm... And then usually what happens when it turns raw? Can, what other process can we use when it starts to go bad? Sure, sure. Well, when you get raw milk from a farmer that's listed with the Raw Milk, uh, uh, raw milk Institute, that raw milk is going to be very, very clean. So your call form levels oftentimes are less than one. Uh, the call form levels, <clears throat> which are kind of sanitary indicator uh, bacteria counts, can be up to 700, five to 700 on milk that goes to be pasteurized. So you're going to have a long shelf life of maybe 15 to 20 days if you keep that milk nice and cold, right above freezing at 35 to 36 degrees, um, and before okay. it starts to sour. Um, and souring is a natural process that raw milk goes through. But when, when the milk gets to its end of its shelf life, let's say two and a half, three weeks, what you would do is take it out of, the, of the, uh, the, the refrigerator, and you add a little bit of keeper grains to it, and you make it into keeper. You, you actually ferment it to make it a keeper. That's what you do. Or you drink wow. it before you get to that date. Well, what most of our customers do in California is they drink their milk every week, and they're totally happy. They go get some more the next week. Uh, but if you're going to hold your milk longer than that, just make keeper out of it. But don't keeper's not made in the refrigerator. It's made at room temperature with keeper grains. Correct. 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 Wow. And keeper grains, and I, I have some now. Um, that's fermenting. Yep. I love it. I love keeper grains, and so that's that's a good thing. And now, now what about buttermilk? Uh, can we can we get buttermilk from these? After we well, make the butter, we get the milk <clears throat> from the butter. So that's the fresh buttermilk that we be getting from the butter. Is that correct? Right. Well, traditional uh, cultured butter comes from cultured cream. So you take the cream and you sit it. Uh, out for you know a few hours and let it culture a little bit you know 24 hours with a little bit of yogurt in it maybe and it becomes uh, a cultured cream and at that point you put the cultured cream into your butter maker and you would actually tumble it and after tumbling you would have the butter and you'd have the obviously the the, the uh, buttermilk what do you call it the uh, the buttermilk thank you get my brain there for a second you'd have the <laughs> buttermilk you have buttermilk and you'd have the butter. And the butter you'd take out, and you would you would uh, kind of wring uh, it out so it doesn't have any moisture in it. And you maybe add a little salt or not, 
and that would be cultured buttermilk. But the the other part of it, you can actually use it for doing all kinds of things. You can make, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, pancakes. Uh, you can do all kinds of things with it. And it's a wonderfully probiotic food. Uh, it's rich in uh, uh, protein. Uh, it's got all kinds of interesting things in it. It's got a little bit of fat as well and good probiotics. So buttermilk is traditionally a very, very good food to uh, support the immune system. Wow. Wow. I thank you so much because I've learned a lot, and I've, I've, I've done my research a little bit about them, and I've tried the milk. So I, do, I drink the milk. And, and I didn't like milk as a kid growing up. Didn't even like it. I just didn't like it at all. But as I became yep. more educated about milk and the benefit of raw milk, it tastes great. I love it. I love the the thickness of it when I'm making my kefir, and I like it when I'm cooking my uh, making waffles. I just like the cream milk, and the kids love it. Now, are mm-hmm. you still flying pilot? You you still a pilot? Were you flying uh, doctors to various places yes. now? Still? Yes, yes. That that's one of my wonderful wonderful um, kind of my hobbies is I'm a private pilot, and we have an air we have a, an airplane that we keep here on the farm, and a runway here. And I take my grandkids all over the place. I also do a lot of uh, clinic work. Remember, I was a paramedic for many years. My wife was a nurse. <clears throat> we fly doctors down to uh, in, in Mexico. In fact, I just got back two weeks ago from a clinic we did down in Wasabi, Mexico. So I go down about four or five times a year. And it's a, a, a nonprofit organization called LIGA, the Flying Doctors of Mercy. It's kind of like the, fly, the uh, Doctors Without Borders. And we go and do yes. clinic work and surgery and stuff and help people that would never, ever get any medical care ever. So we, uh, we're very wow. much a humanitarian organization. That's where my heart is. I'm a humanitarian, most of all. And I believe in, in nutrition uh, being so critical and compassion and humanitarian outreach to others. We're on one little lonely planet in this, this milky way we call the universe we live in, right? And uh, it, it's, it's one place. We're all in here together. And we should treat it like one spaceship, not treat others like dirt and and, and some like queens right. and kings and queens. We should we should have a humanitarian outreach amongst all brothers and sisters of this world. You know, I you I, I just I just take my hat off to you because I don't have you know because I really applaud what you're doing and how how do you how you find time for this? The Raw Milk Institute, um be you know, flying back and forth. Now I know you farm too, don't you farm don't you have a farm uh almond farmer? Yeah. You still do the almonds? I yeah, I'm I'm 58 years old now, and <laughs> I have, I have been thank you, and and I'm a daddy. I'm a, I've got two two I've got two kids. My my son is is uh, 35 years old, and he's got his master's degree from Fresno State University. He's the president of our company. He runs all the details of of everything. We've got 85 wow. employees, and and we we have the 500 acres of pasture here with our cows, and we've got 500 acres of organic almonds. And he has uh, my daughter. My daughter, uh, she runs the social networks. She has a degree in, in uh, all the social networking, uh, social media stuff, and marketing. And so her husband works for us full time as well. So my wow, wife works full time as, as in her. So it's very much a farm that's family based, and we have a lot of people on our team. So it's not just me; it's we. We all work together, and I I've been okay. smart enough to, uh, to to create a team. That carries this load, so I don't have to do it by myself. We all do it together. That is truly a blessing, and especially when you can work together as your family, because you know some family can't even stay together in one group. So to be able to work together and 
bring about a powerful message that you're bringing and the helpful message that you are. I just love it, and I just hope God to continue to bless you and your family, that you prosper and stay in good health, to continue your mission. Thank you very much. I know it's not over with. It's not over Thank with because so we much. need this so bad in our community. And I truly believe people are beginning to wake up. They're wakening up. And knowledge is power. And, you know, we're going to keep repeating this and keep getting this message out to finally people wake up and make that noise to our politicians and the people in our community say, look, I want this. You can't stop yep. me from having what I want. And that's yep. whole natural food. And I think yep. that's that's, I that's agree. wonderful. I agree. So I just I want agree. to thank you again. Uh, is there anything else you want to leave us with, um, Mark? Because you know I'm going to have you back again, right? <laughs> yeah. I'd love to come back, Marcia. Uh, you know what? I would look at the website. If, you're, if you've got any illness at all that's immune-related, that's autoimmune-related, asthma, allergies, Crohn's, <clears throat> ear infections, children. Remember, breast milk is raw milk. And I would reach out to your local community, go to the realmilk.com website, go to the rawmilkinstitute.com website, go to Farmers Over Pharmacies, and look at the stories, the case studies, just like you and me, that talk in real terms about their real lives and the impact of good whole foods and raw milk made in their lives. And just do your own homework. And remember that doctors are not trained in nutrition, and we need to do our own homework to uh, reach out to those that know about nutrition like yourself and Nutritional Therapists Association and other organizations that are well-trained and understand this. Uh, Dr. Natasha, uh, Natasha Campbell McBride is brilliant in this area with the GAPS yes. diet. Yes. And West Day Price has done good work. So we need to really reach yes. out to the nutritionists for our future. And, yeah, doctors do great work when we've got a gunshot hole in us. But I tell you what, when it comes to nutrition and it comes to chronic disease, not so much. So we really do need to prevent that disease and that illness through nutrition. So I would just – Reach out to your farmer, Farmers Over Pharmacies. Okay, I have one more question. Colostrum, do you able to pull the colostrum from the cows at, at the beginning, or how do you do that? We no longer sell colostrum. We used to 10 years ago. Okay. The FDA made it illegal to sell raw colostrum, um, and so oh. we don't do that anymore. All of our colostrum goes directly to our calves. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Guess we wanted to find out about the colostrum because that's supposed to be very healthy and very nutrition for our bodies yes. and our health, especially a newborn baby or it uh, is. the calf. Yes. So it's very, very powerful use of food. Yep. Yes. Now you can buy some synthetic kind of colostrum, can you? It, it can't be fresh. It has to be pasteurized. Or do, how how are they selling it in the store when I see it when they sell colostrum? What? What you find colostrum is, uh, it's imported mostly from New Zealand, and it comes in its powdered mm-hmm. form. And uh, most all of it, from my understanding, has been pasteurized because they don't allow the sale of raw colostrum. But I'm not sure, ter- entirely sure because there's like 20 different brands of it um, where they actually have uh, brought it in and, and sell it in, in health food stores as a powdered colostrum. But remember that a lot of it's been denatured because it's been pasteurized. And uh, right. most of its value has been devalued in some way. Uh, and you'd have to talk, you'd have to look at each brand to see if, you know, what the temperature is that the denaturing is take place. The raw milk from your local dairyman will have a lot of that value in it. It won't have the exact antibodies that comes from colostrum. But remember, antibodies are denatured by heat. So I'm not sure how much value there is in powdered colostrum. I, I, you'd have to look into that deeper. 
I will. I will look into that much deeper. I do appreciate you, and happy, happy Father's Day. And I truly appreciate your family allowing you to have time with us to share this powerful information. And I want people to go back and constantly listen to this over and over again. We're going to get this message out on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, so people become more aware about their food and their health and empower themselves together to know Good. how to take care of themselves and their family. And I thank you for um, God allowing you to do this to help us to learn more about well, I'm gonna, raw I'm gonna go milk. Back, and go back to my grandkids. Go back to my grandkids and my wife. They're waiting for me. So thank you very much, Marcia. Take care. All right. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, we're going to take another break. And I just want to thank Mark for taking the time on Father's Day to talk with me. All right, we're going to take another break.
back on the D-Hour Network. I'm your host, Marsha Thatterson, and my guest was Mark McAfee from the Raw Food in- uh, Raw Milk Institute. The purpose of this show is to educate us about what's out there to help better our health, knowing that healthy food is available, and how to use and prepare these healthy foods. So I'm really hoping that people will take time to try it. Uh, I've tried it. I know I love it. I've done it with the kefir, and I've flavored the kefir, and it's really good. So um, we're going to even talk in the next show um, in the end of the month, June 30th. I'll be talking more about kefir and fermented foods, so we'll be doing more on that. Um, next Sunday on the 23rd of June, I will have Sally Fulton from the Western Price Foundation. She will be on. Sally Felton, I may be messing her name up. Well, she'll be on next week talking about the Western Price Foundation. You've heard me mention that Western Price Foundation several times. I think it's a great foundation where they're educating people throughout the world on healthy food, how it's prepared, and how to connect the people that can provide you with that healthy food. So that's very, very important. So um, I'm hoping this... This message was very powerful for you, that you learned something, and that you'll be able to take some uh, information with that. Please, if you're interested in purchasing some kefir grains or anything like that, uh, please give me a call. You can email me at yesterday's. Well, you know, email me at for your health, for, number four, your health, w at gmail.com. And I'll be able to place that order for you, or you can give me a call at 770-732-6124. And then also take time to look up the information on Kefir, and that's K-E-F-I-R, Kefir Grain. There's many educational uh, tools out there about Kefir Grain. You can go to my website, which is www.yesterdayskitchen.com. For today, the number four today.com, and then touch on video. And I have a video where I'm making actually um, some kefir with some raw milk. And as we specified earlier, please take time to research on the realmilk.com on what states that has the raw milk where you can purchase or cow share because I'm really telling you, it really tastes good and it's really healthy for you. That's our opinion. So Right now, we can share our opinion about what we do and what's beneficial for us and our family. And that's what it's about. You know, someone walks in the house and says, oh, girl, I like the way you got your hair. Who did it for you? Or where did you get that clothes? I'm sharing with you, whoa, this stuff is good. It does benefit for our health, our gut. And as I shared earlier uh, about me sharing with some young men in my community, young boys in my community about the keeper and helping with his acne. I was also at the bank setting up a banking account uh, and Keith, uh, the banker asked me what type of business I was into and I explained my business and he was telling me that his son has eczema and I gave him a jar of came back to the bank and gave him a jar, a small little pint-sized jar of kefir, the raw kefir uh, that's unflavored. And I explained to him to rub some on the son's arm and his legs or wherever he had the, uh, the breakout and make sure he drink a little of it and flavor it with some bananas or strawberries or whatever the kid likes. 
this little boy, four years old, had been itching and having problems for years, and um, the dad did it. And less than two weeks, it, had, it was gone. So I'm just sharing with you what I've done, how I share with people. And as I said earlier, when, when I was talking to Mark, I go and share with police officers. And some companies have actually given me natural stuff and products to pass out when I'm out doing presentations and giving, meeting police officers and firefighters because they are first responders and they have to be in good health and mind and body. So I think it's important for us to look out for them to make sure they can do their job and function um, without being sick or making bad judgment based on our gut and what's going on because that gut, and you heard me say this before, if the gut is clean, the brain is clean, the body, the mind is clean. So we want to be able to give people that information and knowledge about the food that will provide that clean mind and clean body. So, therefore, you can have a long, healthy life. So I just want to say happy Father's Day to all our fathers. I wish you guys a safe week and blessed, and it's a blessing to have family. So enjoy your family and show plenty of love. I'm going to take another break on the Hour Network. So
glad to be back on the DR Network. I just want to say happy Father's Day to our fathers again. We had about three minutes left of the show, but just reminding people to take time and share the Raw Milk Institute um, recording with families and friends and um, take a look at the benefit that it has to do with our health. Next, on the 30th, I will be doing uh, the Blog Talk Radio on Fermented Foods. I was going to see about trying to do this live on Facebook so I can actually show you some of the, uh, the ways of doing fermented foods along. So we're going to see how that works. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm kind of shy about being exposed that way. My voice is okay. And it took me a long time to even try to do this radio thing, but I know it's important. I truly believe with the Paris thing going on with President Trump and China, that we too may find ourselves struggling to eat or put food on the table. So that's why it's important for me as a mom and a grandma to educate the next generation on how to take care of themselves, what food they can use, Uh, really encouraging people in the next millennium to become farmers. We had um, Mr. Turner on talking about being, you know, encouraging our young males to be black farmers because we used to be, back in early years, we Black farmers all over the place, but now we have very, very few farmers, so we want to be able to educate people to be farmers. We've got a lot of millenniums that are going off the grid, living off the land, um, being able to be self-sufficient and knowing how to take care of themselves and their children. And I want to be able to pass that skills down to the next generation. We see what's happening in Venezuela um, and Mexico and some of these other countries where the people are in need of food and water. And we don't know how to survive if we ever have a natural disaster. So this information is to empower us, to educate us, so we can be healthy and know how to take care of ourselves and our family. So, again, I just want to say I wish everyone a happy father, the fathers a happy Father's Day. Please take time to love your children and make sure they are loved and supported by you because I'm telling you, when you have, when the dad's not there and the kids doesn't have that foundation or spirit of being loved and secure, we have a messed up generation. And I'm telling you, not just from um, what I see happening to others, even within my own family. So I pray that the men take notice of raising their kids, loving them kids, whether they're with mama or without mama. So let's make it happen. So you guys have a blessed week. Make it safe. And may God keep you under his grace. All right, I'm trying to get this thing. Okay.